Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. It's Sunday night and that means it's been a race weekend and boy, what a shambolic and chaotic Tuscan Grand Prix that we saw at Mugello earlier today. But uh, yeah, it was it was something. It was enjoyable. It was... Um, it was an event, let's just uh, put it that way. Cars all over the place, two red flags, three safety cars, I think it was, if I got my uh, my notes correct. But it was uh, it certainly lived up to the hype. And uh, the, the drivers, all the chaos notwithstanding, seemed to enjoy it uh, quite a bit. And they seem quite open uh, to going back. But before we dive into some of the quotes and some of the news uh, from today, let's just take a, a quick look and run down the top 10 point uh, pain positions in the Grand Prix. Well, there's only 12 cars that actually finish this race so what the hell why don't we just uh, do all of them tonight anyways uh, Lewis Hamilton winning this one four and a half almost five seconds ahead of his teammate Valtteri Bottas Alex Albon who was a bit I don't want to say a, a, a bit of a, a zero last week but uh, certainly Pierre Gasly in the the Alpha Tauri was the hero winning at Monza and maybe asking those questions about uh, who should be in that second Red Bull anyways Alex Albon stepped up had a good race today after his teammate Max Verstappen expired right on the very first lap of the race. Uh, Alex uh, coming home in third place to round out the podium. Had Danny Ricardo finishing fourth in Renault. Their recent uh, run of good form continues. If Sergio Perez fifth through racing point, Lando Norris in the Soul McLaren sixth, Danny Kvyat in the Alpha Tauri seventh, Charles Leclerc in the first Ferrari in eighth, Kimi Raikkonen in the Alpha Romeo despite a five second time penalty coming home in ninth, Sebastian Vettel in the second Ferrari rounding out the top 10 for a single point for the Scuderia or for for himself and the Scuderia I should say. George Russell just a couple of heads behind Seb Vettel missing out on the points and then you had Roman Grosjean in the Haas rounding out the cars that were uh, finished and classified in this race. And, uh, well, it was a long list of cars that didn't finish. You had Lance Stroll, who crashed out. Esteban Ocon, who didn't make one of the restarts. Nick Latifi, Kevin Magnussen, Antonio Giovinazzi, and Carlos Sainz, who had a big uh, smash uh, there on one of the restarts. And uh, there's going to be a lot to talk about that one. Max Verstappen, who... Started the race very nicely, but uh, was having some software issues with his engines uh, before the race. And he actually got away. I think he got better uh, off the line, better than both uh, Mercedes cars. But then whatever the problem was, uh, certainly manifested very quickly before they even made it to turn one. Max dropped back through. Well, he didn't just drop. He plummeted back through the race order and then got tangled up in what was it? Turn three uh, was just hit by a whole bunch of. Well, he was in that whole mess of cars anyways. Max uh, crashing out then, couldn't get out of the gravel, but he was, well, even if he got out of the gravel, I mean, he, he was not going to last uh, too much longer. Obviously, he had some serious issues going uh, going on, and also Pierre Gasly did not make it past uh, the, the the first lap either. So it was, uh, it was chaotic, but it was a, you know, it is a beautiful track to watch. And I think they were saying on the uh, the, the broadcast during qualifying that the, the, the cars are spending about 65 or 66% of the lap uh, completely flat out and it is just spectacular just watching them throw it through the corners and uh, it, like I say it was fun to watch uh, I, I would love to see them go back but you know one of these days we are going to get back to normal
normal in Formula One. We're going to have a more normal schedule again, but certainly it was nice to see a race of Mugello rather than the odd picture and video clip from Ferrari testing and things like that. But Ferrari, their thousandth Grand Prix and the cars, they looked beautiful in that really dark red, that almost that like that blood red color looked absolutely spectacular. And that old school font and numbering uh, for, for uh, that they had for the sponsors and the car numbers and everything. Sadly, the performance of the SF-1000 uh, uh, didn't live up to the hype. And, uh, well, I mean, let's be honest, a P10 and a P8 for Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel, not really all that, uh, not that all, it's nothing really to get excited about uh, for them. I mean, their their terrible year continues, but uh, I guess it was a little bit better than a week ago at Monza. So I guess there is a little bit of face saving going on. Anyways, uh, let's take a quick look now at the Drivers' Championship. Uh, Lewis Hamilton completely untouchable at this point in the season. We're basically halfway through the year already, uh, and uh, Lewis 190 points, 55 points ahead of his uh, teammate Valtteri Bottas. Max Verstappen, despite not finishing the past two races, still sitting third in the Drivers' Championship with 110 points. Lando Norris, fourth with 65, two points ahead of the second Red Bull of Alex Albon, who now has 65, sorry, sorry, 63 points. Lance Stroll, Danny Ricardo, Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez, and Pierre Gasly round out the top 10. You have to go down all the way to 13th to find Sebastian Vettel in the second to Ferrari and Seb Zanis Horribles continuing and uh, the German and four-time world champion only has 17 points to his name at this point in the season absolutely incredible. I, I never thought I would be sitting here and and, and talking and, and saying and relating the fact that Sebastian Vettel, after how many races we've had now, what, seven, eight races into the year, only has 17 points? Never thought that would uh, that, that would happen. Anyways, uh, on the Constructors Plus side, well, let's just give the, 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 the Constructors Trophy to Mercedes right now. 325 points for the Silver Arrows. Red Bull, 173. McLaren, nicely in third in the constructors with 106 point uh, racing point hanging in there they're still within arm's reach of mclaren they got 92 and renault 83 points they're starting to close in a little bit uh on on racing point after their they've had some good results uh recently obviously with uh, danny ricardo disappointing for uh, esteban alca obviously uh not uh finishing this race but certainly i think there's we're, we're starting to see a little bit of a sign of life uh, a little bit of improvement from uh, renault over the past a uh, little while uh, while I think they've, it's kind of flown under the radar a, a little bit. Anyways, now let's uh, talk about the race itself. And as I say, it was just uh, chaotic. There was a lot of things happening on the track. Uh, there was a lot of accidents. There was, uh, well, it's... I guess things are going to happen. I mean, at any time. I mean, once you get past the start finish straight, which is almost a kilometer long, you go into the, the the first turn, and then it comes back. You know, you're basically making uh, they're turning 180 degrees on themselves. Short run up into the next corner, and then uh, you know a 90 degree corner to the left. And that's kind of where it all went down. And it is fairly narrow there. So that, those are racing incidents. The the crash that Lance Stroll had, and that was a heavy, nasty crash. I mean, uh, lucky to see uh, and happy to see Lance uh, get out of the car. I mean, I thought he looked a little bit uh, kind of dazed and stunned. I mean, it took him a little while uh, to get out of the car. I mean, it, it looked to me, and I'm not an expert, but uh, it looked like uh, when they had that camera that was, uh, I, I guess it must have been on the halo or somewhere on the front of the car. I mean, he kind of looked a little bit kind of stunned there, but uh, fortunately he seemed 
seemed to gather himself fairly quickly before he got back out. And I mean, that racing point of his, his RP20 was completely smashed up and uh, bits of it all over the place. I mean, and pretty scary how the, uh, the, the, the rear of the car let go there when he got up on the curbs and uh, he hit the, the tire barrier pretty hard. Uh, but anyways, like I say, those are racing incidents. The one that was really disturbing though, was that massive crash that we saw after the restart, uh, one of the restarts, uh, the, the first restart, I should say. And it was, it was really disturbing to see how all the cars really, uh, but it was weird, right? I mean, you had Valtteri Bottas kind of weaving and really taking his time up until they hit the start finish. I mean, that's his prerogative. He's the race leader. He's basically one that's uh, controlling the, uh, the, the proceedings at that, that point, but you had cars way in the back, just, um, and I'm surprised about this because it's not like we have or we don't see safety cars and rolling starts in Formula One. Uh, I mean, they're not rare events, are they? I mean, they they, they happen fairly frequently. But the, the way that you had the back of the pack speeding up and going faster than the the, the front half and the front of the grid was, uh, was disturbing. And it was just a mess of carbon fiber and uh, components and cars flying everywhere. Um, Bada said after the race, he felt he wasn't uh, to blame for the, the, the big accident that caused a second, uh, well, he caused the, one of the red flags, the first one, but he did question, uh, what, you know, the safety of the, the restart rules. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> Roman Grosjean, the, the Haas driver, he was a little bit more colorful about it. He said it was effing stupid from whoever was at the front end quote. Uh, whereas, uh, uh, Valtteri said, quote, we're allowed to race from the control line, which has been there for a while. I think the difference said uh, this year is the safety car. They are putting lights off quite late so you can build up a gap pretty late on of course when you're in the lead you try to maximize your chances and i'm not at all to blame for that everyone can look at everything they want for it i'm doing consistent speed until i went yes i went late but we started racing from the control line not before that the guys behind you crash because of that they can look in the mirror there's no point whining about it uh, end quote anyways i'm going to talk uh, more about that uh, in a moment uh, just got to take a, a quick break here on the overtime media network and uh, as we do so i want to talk about my bookie because winning season returns at my bookie and winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season also means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At MyBookie, winning season means you're watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. So rejoice, NFL season is back. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. So get in on the action. Use promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. So bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. And once again, use our special promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, but only at MyBookie. And OVERTIME is going all in for our listeners. We're going to give away $500 cash to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer. When you make your first deposit, take a screen grab of your MyBookie account and email it to OVERTIME at advertise.com. That's Overtime at advertisecast.com, and we're giving away $500 at the end of September. All right, well, back to the show, and let's, well, let's keep uh, talking about uh, the, the big uh, crash here and everything uh, that happened with it. Valtteri Bottas, obviously, uh, I think he's uh, completely uh, justified in his uh, position. It's up to everybody else uh, to keep uh, their eyes 
those on the road and see what's going on. Clearly, the cars uh, further behind uh, had decided the the race had started uh, before then before it actually had. Anyways, uh, Carlos Sainz, uh, one of the cars to uh, fall victim in that crash in the McLaren, um, he escaped with uh, just a little bit of bruising to his hands, and you could see him when he got out of the car. He was walking back uh, across uh, the the pit straight uh, back to the pits. He was uh, kind of flexing his hand and rubbing it, so he looked uh, a little bit uh, sore. Anyways, uh, team principal at McLaren, Andreas Seidel, said that uh, Sainz uh, just has uh, some bruising on his hands, so that's uh, that's good to know. Uh, Seidel had to say, quote, I think the most important thing is Carlos, and as far as I know, all the other guys also are okay. That's the most important thing. I think Carlos had a bit of bruised hands, uh, but nothing big, which is good, end quote. Um, Sainz had to say afterwards, quote, I am fine, only a blow to the wrist and hand, but honestly, it does not hurt me at all. I am perfectly fine, end quote. So yeah, very, very scary. And a bit of the fallout afterwards, 12 drivers were actually warned over the the, the restarts of that crash at uh, Mugello. So um, there was a, a meeting. Uh, the, the the stewards after, was, uh, after the incident said that they would be investigating after the race. They summoned uh, a, a number of drivers, including um, uh, Kevin Magnuson, Nicholas Latifi, and Danny uh, Kvyat. And then they reviewed everything else, uh, including onboard camera footage, telemetry, and all of that. So then uh, at the end, uh, the guilty parties were Kevin Magnuson, Danny Kvyat, Nicholas uh, Latifi, Antonio Giovinazzi, Carlos Sainz, Alex Albon, Lance Stroll, Danny Ricardo, Sar- Sergio Perez, Lando Norris, Esteban Alca, and George Russell. Um, anyways, uh, they did issue a bulletin that said, quote, the stewards conclude that the root cause of this incident was the inconsistent application of throttle and brake from the final corner along the pit straight by the above drivers. The stewards acknowledge the challenges the location of the control line presents at this circuit and the desire of the drivers to take advantage of the restart. However, this incident demonstrates the need for caution to be exercised in the restart situation and notes there was an extreme con- uh, concertina effect which dramatically increased as it moved down the field. We also note that some drivers might have avoided by being involved in the incident had they not followed directly behind the car in front. By doing so, they effectively blocked off all visibility of what happened immediately in front of the preceding car. A warning has been imposed as it is the view of the stewards that no one driver was wholly or predominantly to blame, end quote. So there you go. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I think that's a, a fair way to apportion all the blame, and it really could have been a lot, lot worse. And uh, fortunately, it's just uh, some bumps and bruises and a lot of of very badly damaged Formula One cars. But uh, it was, it certainly lived up uh, to the height, or sorry, the hype. And it was, uh, like I say, I mean, it was a fun race to watch. I what, what I do is I don't subscribe to F1 TV Pro. I actually watch on, on TSN and... Uh, I tend to be a bit of a late riser, especially on weekends. And even I'm a huge Formula One fan. I just have the real trouble getting up uh, that so early in the morning. I didn't watch until a couple of hours after the race had actually finished. I started about nine o'clock. Uh, the race started here on the West Coast at about uh, 6.05 or 6.30 in the morning. And, uh, well, it's, I, what, what I tend to do, uh, I've learned over the years is to set my PVR for a, an hour beyond the, uh, what the, the projected, uh, time slot is in, in the guide. I mean, we've just seen it over the years because of situations like this or because of bad weather, or it's just a long race that it always just uh, makes sense to, uh, you know, to, to record it longer. But after I saw, you know, all these different things, the safety cars, the red flags, and I was starting to get a little bit nervous 
is that uh, they may not have uh, left enough time on the PVR, like the settings. But I mean, I could always go back and watch on demand. It would have been uh, a big deal to do so. But uh, it certainly was a bit of a, it was a bit of an extreme situation the way that it was. Anyways, uh, Lewis Hamilton, who obviously won the race, uh, he was uh, one of the drivers who was actually quite critical about the the restart approach. Um, anyways, uh, Lewis had to say um, after uh, he was talking about uh, the the incident and the way that uh, the, the whole situation, the safety car uh, restart. He said that uh, it, it put people at risk, and so the, he he thinks that they really need to rethink the whole uh, process. So that that I think is uh, fair enough. I think that uh, you know it is something that they should look at, uh, especially when they, they've changed the rules a little bit, and you see such a big big accident. I mean, obviously the way that, uh, and I think in the bulletin that was issued by the stewards acknowledged that just where the you know the start finish and the the control line is and all that. Um, Anyways, uh, Lewis did also say that uh, he didn't believe it was uh, his teammates' fault. He said it was uh, all down to the decision makers, but he wasn't didn't point uh, his finger at, at anyone. Uh, anyways, uh, he had to say specifically, quote, they have been uh, moving the switching off the safety car lights later and later. We are out there fighting for a position, especially when you earn a position like Valtteri earned the position of uh, being in the lead. Obviously, they're trying to make it a bit more exciting, but today it was a little bit over the limit, perhaps. But Bottas did exactly what anyone would do, end quote. So yeah, very dangerous, and uh, hopefully uh, they they do take a, a closer look at that. And if they do need to uh, tweak some of these uh, these rules in, in the name of safety, I certainly hope they do it sooner rather than later. Anyways, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about. Uh, well, before I go and talk about Max Verstappen, I, I just want to touch briefly on what uh, I thought was a very interesting uh, situation uh, when it came down to some of the, uh, the the strategies and the mind games that were being played inter team at uh, at. Uh, Mercedes today, and I thought it was interesting that uh, at one point uh, when we heard uh, Valtteri on the, uh, the, the the radio in the latter stages of the race, when uh, he was on the the, the the radio to the pit saying, whatever tires Lewis uh, comes in for, I want to do the exact opposite. Anyways, uh, uh, Valtteri ended up going into the uh, the, the pits first. Uh, I don't know if he was able, he was trying to aim for the uh, the undercut. Uh, it certainly didn't work because uh, he, uh, he went switched for the hard tires. Lewis comes in a couple laps later. He did exactly the same thing which I thought was uh, interesting. So they, they must have thought that there was some advantage at that point in the race uh, switching to the hard tires, but effectively uh, Lewis uh, going in later and then going on the same compounds as uh, as Valtteri was, uh, well, I mean, it, it, it basically erased any potential advantage that, uh, that that Bottas might have had. But by the time Lewis came back out, I mean, uh, Bottas was already, what, he was, I think he was about two or three seconds at the, before he went in for his pit stop. By the, but by the time he came back out, then the couple of laps um, uh, intervening and then uh, between uh, his stop and Lewis's. And by the time Lewis had his stop, came back onto the uh, the track, the gap had increased up to about uh, six and a half, six point six 6.6 seconds, somewhere there in the neighborhood. But I thought it was a little bit uh, kind of interesting that, uh, that that Bottas just wanted to go completely different uh, to, uh, to, to Lewis to try and find some sort of advantage. And I, I think it showed that, you know, I mean, he's dead serious on fighting his teammate, but the thing is, I mean, regardless if they have almost identical equipment or pretty much identical equipment uh, in, in the Mercedes uh, W11. The thing is that uh, Bottas still isn't, he's just not as fast as Lewis is. I mean, he he does have his moments. So let's, let's give him that. I mean, he's able to win races here and there. But uh, just over the longer, you know, the bigger picture. I mean, Lewis is still the faster driver, and uh, he's still the uh, he's still the better driver, and that's that that's the thing. I must it must be so frustrating for Bottas knowing that he's pushing as hard as he can, 
and he's still not able to get uh, close enough uh, in in many instances to get close to uh, to, to fight and challenge uh, for a position with his teammate uh, Lewis Hamilton. But you know that's that kind of is the I think uh, like I've said uh, for many times that's probably not the ideal situation for uh, Valtteri Bottas. But in the larger picture, I think it's uh, probably better for uh, Mercedes. I mean they had another one to finish, uh, another dominant uh, performance. They're running away with the constructors championship and at the end of the year it's obviously going to be a mercedes driver i'm pretty sure it's fair to say or safe to call it at this point it's going to be lewis hamilton who's world champion and the thing is by having a guy that's quick but maybe not quite as quick enough as uh, lewis is they're not going to get into a similar situation they had a couple of years ago with uh, nico rosberg and uh, that's uh, that really nasty situation that developed uh, between rosberg and uh, Lewis Hamilton. Valtteri's there racking up the points and the, the team continues to win. And I think uh, they'll be happy, uh, at least uh, from the bigger picture, than uh, maybe perhaps uh, Valtteri himself and his uh, aspirations on becoming world champion. Anyways, uh, time for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And yes, Lewis Hamilton, uh, he said that uh, winning the Tuscan Grand Prix at Mugello earlier today was one of his most challenging wins in Formula One. And he also went on to say that, uh, well, I mean, there was eight cars that uh, didn't finish. Uh, there was just 12. I mean, almost 50% of the field was out. Uh, Lewis went on to say it was one of the craziest races he's ever been in during his Formula One uh, career. Anyways, uh, Lewis had to say, quote, it felt like I had three races in one day. I'm pretty aw- aw- exhausted to be honest i didn't do a good start the first time then we had the rolling start which wasn't good then we had the second start uh, from second which was obviously better then i had a se- seven second gap or whatever it is and a pretty comfortable with that gap and new tires and then another red flag of course anything could happen on those starts but unfortunately i got the best start finally of the day after that Valtteri was still right up there the whole time so I, if i made any mistake he would have slipstreamed uh, me up uh, this one a thousand meters straight today was mentally and physically one of the most challenging days I've experienced, end quote. So yeah, it was, uh, it, well, that's never easy. I mean, uh, so, some guys make it look easy, or perhaps we assume that it looks easy for guys like uh, Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he is the best driver in the best car. He does win the majority of the races, or it seems like uh, he's always on the top step. But, you know, it's uh, that, that being said, there's a lot of effort and a lot that goes into driving a Formula One car and to to win on a consistent and regular basis, whatever era, whatever uh, 
you know car you're driving in it's a it's a fantastic achievement and i think it's a, an interesting little quote from uh, lewis hamilton to kind of give us a, a look behind the curtain to see what uh you know what actually goes into uh into a victory like that anyways one of the uh, the interesting uh, stories of the day was uh, george russell in the uh in in the williams who came home in p11 ties his uh, best ever uh finish in uh, in uh, in in formula 1 he was uh well he it looked at one point that he might actually start pushing uh, Sebastian Vettel and uh, maybe could have uh, snuck in there to get uh, one championship point Obviously, points come not that very often for teams like Williams and specifically for Williams over the past, uh, well, I mean, it's more than a couple, several years now. And uh, it was a real shame from that point of view that uh, the young Englishman couldn't uh, couldn't uh, do it. Uh, but he had to say, quote, it is heartbreaking almost the whole team had worked so hard, got ourselves in an amazing P9. And it was well and truly under control and sealed. The car was feeling great. I was matching the pace of Sebastian and Charles behind me on the same life tire. And that red flag just threw it all away, really. We made a a really poor start just off the line. We don't know why yet because the procedural-wise, everything was spot on. Then having Kimi and uh, Grosjean, they they obviously had an extra lap uh, to warm the tires up. And they both made mega, mega launches, which didn't help things. Nevertheless, just bitterly disappointed because we deserved it and it should have been ours. Two red flags in one race is ridiculous, uh, end quote. So, yeah, it must be very frustrating to, to get that close and then uh, and losing out. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, we're, we're talking about Lewis Hamilton uh, w- winning the race and all the points that he's r- racking out on. Uh, and then you got a guy that's obviously racing on the other end of the race order compared to uh, somebody like Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton. And uh, he's really upset on, on on missing that one point. But I mean, I, I think that, that uh, George Russell is a talented Formula One driver. I think that uh, he's, he's going to score points at some point, no pun intended, in his career. It's going to happen. And, and who knows, as he gets older, as he, he, he matures, does this story continue somewhere else in Formula One with a better team or with someone with a better car? Who knows? Or if he sticks around at, uh, at Williams under the new ownership of uh, Derilton Capital, do they finally get their act together and start uh, designing and building Formula One cars that are actually competitive again? You would hope so. But anyways, uh, still, you can understand the frustration and the disappointment for a guy. I mean, he's been pretty good this year. I mean, he's consistently been able to get that Williams into into Q2, which I think is is quite remarkable because the car is clearly not competitive. It clearly has a number of issues, as uh, has been the case over the past uh, several years now uh, with, uh, with Williams. I mean, they're just not building good cars or fast cars anymore. I mean, they've got a very decent power unit in it, obviously, with the, with the Mercedes power, but... The car itself has just been, uh, you know, not up to scratch for a good number of years. It was uh, Sebastian Vettel who came home in the last point paying uh, position in 10th for Ferrari. He said he actually felt bad for being the bad guy who didn't uh, basically deny George Russell the, uh, the the 10th position and his first point in, in Formula One. And he actually was quite forthcoming and honest saying that uh, that Russell was had actually been driving better for most of the race. Um, anyways, uh, Russell, he actually 
tweeted after the race, quote, gave it everything I had out there. And without the final red, we had uh, P9 sealed, gutted for the team as they deserved that today. Anyways, uh, Seb Vettel actually, he, he agreed with that. Uh, he actually thought that uh, that Russell was on point. And Seb actually had to say, quote, I felt a bit sorry, to be honest, for him because I felt he drove really well, especially before the last restart. He was quicker than us, more consistent. He managed his race well. I could see what he was doing. It will come for him, but poor soul. I think he really deserved the point today. I feel a bit sorry for him because he fought his way up to the points and didn't get the results he deserved, end quote. Anyway, Sebastian Vettel, uh, you know, good for him, uh, you know, for getting the one point. But uh, I I thought that was a classy uh, move from uh, Sebastian to uh, acknowledge that and and uh, I thought it was uh, you know pretty sporting. Anyways, just a, a couple of things here before I wrap it up uh, today. And Total Wolf uh, weighed in. Uh, this is actually a story from a couple of days ago. I just uh, didn't uh, get to put it into the normal show that came out uh, the other night, the weekly show. And uh, this was just uh, some of the talk, just uh, about the whole uh, addressing the whole uh, reverse grid thing that, uh, that that came up after Monza last week. I mean, it made for an exciting, uh, you know, second half to the race after it was red flagged, and they had the restart after Charles's huge shunt at uh, at Parabolica, and it really reignited that discussion that that went around a little. bit bit earlier this spring about the, the the whole prospects of sprint races and reverse grids and everything like that. Toto said, quote, this is not WWE. <laughs> so I think uh, obviously uh, Toto is, is in the uh, the against the, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, the tier, the camp, if you want to call it that, they're not in favor of having the reverse grids. I mean, I can see why, but Again, I, I think it's just a little bit uh, too gimmicky. And uh, he said that uh, it actually, if Formula One was to do something like that, it would be uh, a risk of running in uh, comparisons and, uh, you know, with, with WWE, uh, saying that it should be a sport that uh, does not design freak results. Those are the words that uh, he used. Anyways, uh, I, I, I tend to agree with that. Uh, I, I like the situation the way that it is. I mean, that qualifying format that they came up with a couple of years ago to kind of uh, sort of this rolling kind of time cutoff. In theory, it looked really, really cool. But uh, when it came into uh, reality, it didn't work uh, as, as they'd uh, hoped it would. You just had guys that just wouldn't go out for qualifying because they knew that they just wouldn't, you know, hit this rolling time cutoff. And it just uh, became a bit of a joke. And then it disappeared after what, two races, three races or something like that. And they went back to the the, 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 the uh, qualifying format that we've had for a good number of years now. You know, you got Q1 where you lose uh, five cars and you lose uh, five more in Q2. And then you get to Q3 where you have the top 10 shootout. Maybe it's not the best, but it works. And uh, I think that it's it's a system that most people can understand and they can follow and uh, and it makes sense to a lot of people. And I think that there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, of course, if you've got the fastest car, then uh, yeah, the odds on you've got a good shot to get pole. But who knows? I mean, we're seeing now that you know these uh, these engine modes, the party modes have been banned. Uh, I mean, does that mean that uh, that makes life a little bit more difficult for uh, Mercedes. Maybe not in the short term, but you know we are coming into the the, the cost cap era, and we got the new uh, cars coming out in 2022. So to to tinker with it now may be a little bit premature. And honestly, like I say, I think the current format works. And I'm a big proponent of the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Anyways, uh, one final thing here I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, apparently, Sebastian Vettel tried to buy a Ferrari F2004. But, uh, well, I mean, he's uh, he's got a car collection and uh, he decided to uh, not to do it because he admitted it was uh, actually a little bit too expensive for him and for his uh, collection. And I thought that was uh, kind 
kind of a, an interesting admission because I guess, uh, you know, when it comes to guys like that, we all think that they've got lots and lots of money. Obviously, Sebastian Vettel does, but apparently there are even limits to things that uh, that he can uh, he can buy. Anyways, he had an interview with former teammate uh, Mark Weber, and uh, he was uh, they were talking about the uh, Ferrari F2004, and that is a car that uh, carried uh, Michael Schumacher to his seventh and final world championship way back in 2004. He won 13 of 18 uh, races uh, that year. And then uh, Rubens Barrichello, the Brazilian, was his teammate that year. He won two more. So, I mean, they won 15 out of 18 races. I mean, how good is that? Anyways, uh, he did uh, uh, want to, to to buy one uh, for his for his uh, collection. Anyways, he uh, he was uh, uh, he was talking with Mark Weber. Weber said, "Quote: You've been adding to your collection recently. Do you have any of uh, cars of this generation?" Uh, and Seb said, "Quote: No, there was one, not that exact one, but the same year up for sale, but it was way too ex- expensive." <laughs> Anyways, uh, I thought that was a bit of a an amusing quote. Anyways, uh, that that's it for the show tonight. Uh, like I say, enjoyable Grand Prix at Mugello, and now we're kind of going into a bit of a, a little bit tamer part of the schedule. We we've seen you know numerous uh, race uh, you know blocks of races here to kind of uh, catch up to the races that we lost earlier in the year because of uh because of covid anyways uh we now have a couple of weeks off uh we do not get back to racing until we go to uh the the russian grand prix in two weeks then we get a couple weeks between that uh, race and then the uh, the the uh, the Eiffel Grand Prix at uh, the Nurburgring, and then the only back-to-back weekend that I think we have left is when we go to Portimao in Portugal and the third week of October, and then uh, back to Italy for Imola at the uh, the, the the end of no or sorry October, and they're all spaced out after that a week or two, a couple of weeks in between them until we hit uh, the season finale at uh, Abu Dhabi in the second week of uh, December. So, I mean, still a lot of races uh, to go. Uh, We have, well, let's see, one, two, three... Four, five, six, seven races to go. I mean, it it seemed like it took a long time to get the year started, uh, but it's uh, seems like the summer has gone really, really fast to get uh, get the races in that we have. And uh, I know it's it's going to be a, a big uh, a, a big difference for the for the teams and the drivers and all the team personnel uh, to get a bit of a break in between. I know it's a tremendous drain and strain on their resources. But you know, as as a fan, you know, I I may I know I'm selfish when I say that uh, I like to turn on the, the the TV and know that there's going to be a race on every weekend. But I guess all things have to go to an end, and if that means we can stretch it out uh, another couple of months, I mean, we're already beginning of September. I mean, it won't be all that long until we get to, to December in a couple of months, and plenty of Formula One between now and then. And I guess that's the uh, the most important thing. Anyways, that's it for me. Thank you for downloading and listening to the show. Be back in a couple of days with the weekly program. And until then, have a great week. Have a great Monday. Take care of yourselves and we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. 